0: Praise the Lord. How many of you are excited to be in the presence of God this morning? I don't know about you, but outside might be gray, but inside the house of God, there's always fullness of joy. So if you're happy to be in the presence of God, just give Him a loud clap offering this morning. Wherever you are, wherever you are joining us from home, just give Him a loud clap offering this morning. It's such an amazing privilege to be called children of God. I, know you, I hope you know that. It is not common. It is not common to, to go through a year where many have lost their lives. Many started this year with you. They're not here, but you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and you have been able to come out saying, no evil has touched your dwelling place. I don't know about you, but that's excited for me. So if you're excited that you're a child of God, just give him another clap offering this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be talking about a, a topic that, um, actually, let me tell you how this topic came about. So that we'll see what God is trying to talk to us today. Was one day, I was just, um, I, honestly, I wasn't even meditating on anything. I was just sitting down. And um, this phrase came to my mind. It says, you are made for more, right? It says, you are made for more. And I wrote it down in my notes. I, I wrote it the way I know how to write it, which is made for more, like M-O-R-E, more things, you know, that's great. It would be an amazing. I was like, God, you, you're doing something. But the more I, actually, he gave me before the last time I even preached here, And I was going to preach that sermon, but he said, no, he said, not yet. And then in the course of just talking to him randomly another day, he said, the more that you think is not what I'm saying. And he says, write more as in M-O-H-R, right? He says, more. M O H R. And I was like, God, what does that even mean? And he says, You know that you are made for manifestations of heavenly realities. I said, God, that, that's, that's intense. You know? So I kind of understood why he didn't want me to teach it at that point. But I'm going to give us two scriptures today that are going to be our anchor for this topic, which is made for more. If we could put that topic up, okay, there it is. Everybody sees it, it says manifestations of heavenly realities, right? So write that down if you're taking notes. You are made for manifestations of heavenly realities. Let's quickly turn our Bibles to Colossians 3, 1 to 2. We can use the Passion Translation. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too, Honestly, if you didn't ever read anything else in this world and you just only had that statement, it's enough for you to live your whole life. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that is where Christ sits, enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Verse 2, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Right? The day I read this scripture, I was like, God, sometimes you play. Because he gave me that that statement made for heavenly realities way before he gave me that scripture. And there it was right in front of me. Verse 2 saying... Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. How many of us know that there's life as you know it, and there's true life as we're supposed to know it, which is the realities of heaven? He says, at the end, he says, don't be distracted by the natural realm. There are two realms in this world, the natural as we all experience it right now. And then there's the spiritual realm where we have a a reality that's so tangible and we could begin to focus on that rather than this natural realm. The second scripture is this, Ephesians 3, 7 to 13. Ephesians 3, 7 to 13. And it says, we can use NIV, it says, I became a servant of this gospel this is Paul writing. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me, given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Verse 10. This is wonderful. His intent was that now, through the church. Who's the church? Who's the church? Say it with confidence. Who's the the church? Us. Us. His intent, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God's intention was for the church to be displaying the amazing wisdom, the riches of God, all that he has, his kingdom, to all the other authorities in the spiritual realm. See, because sometimes we get so bogged down with this natural life and we think that that is all that it is. But we know that nothing happens in the natural except it has started in the spiritual, right? So if the real crux, where things are really, you know, the main domain, where they are, if it's really in the spiritual, why do we spend so much time worried about the natural realm? And even God is not interested in your natural realm per se, because his intent is that through the church, through the church, we will make known to every other authority, principalities, powers, we will make known to them that our God is above them all. I don't know about you, but this is the way I want my life to be. This is what I want the characteristic of my life to be. That no matter what, when you look at my life, when I look at your life, the world will be able to look and say, there's something different here. And not only will they know that there's a difference, they will be able to see that, no, this is beyond anything natural. This can only be God, right? So we're going to talk about some of the heavenly realities that we have because if we're going to focus on these things, if we're going to really do what God has said we should do, we must know these realities. We read in Ephesians, it said all the things that Christ has done for us. You know, Christ did a lot for us and The things he did brought about a new kind of reality for you and I. Realities that are so true, they're so true, we have to start looking for them, applying them, meditating on them, and making them our natural, when I say natural, I don't mean in this physical, but your natural state, you know, for for lack of a better word. You You know when a dog barks? It's not not trying to be anything else. It's just doing what it's naturally supposed to do. So these heavenly realities have to become so real to us that they become what we naturally do. Right? So, what are some of these heavenly realities? Let's open Luke chapter 14, verse 16 to 20. We could use the Passion Translation if you have it. It says, when he came to Nazareth where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue and he as he always did on the Sabbath day, when Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and read where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor. Freedom for the brokenhearted and new eyes for the blind and to preach to the prisoners you are set free I have come to share the message of jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun verse 20 as, after he read this he rolled up the scroll handed it back to the minister and sat down everyone stared at Jesus wondering what he was about to say verse 21 then he added this scriptures came true today in front of you you didn't get it let me read back all the things that he said he said the spirit of the lord is upon me anointed me to be hope for the poor in other words there's no poor among us anymore that's a reality in heaven none of us here is poor I mean, we sing that song all the time. Let the poor say I am rich. Right? That's a reality. You're not poor. Two, freedom for the brokenhearted. In other words, there's nothing right now that the enemy can do. All these things that will, that will make your heart weary. He came to change all that. There's no longer brokenness. Nobody's brokenhearted because Jesus has changed all that. He said he has come to give new eyes for the blind. And I hope you know that that's not just the physical blind. It's the spiritually blind. Because at some point, we all were like that. Spiritually blind to the realities of God and all the things that he has done for us. But he came and he says, I've given you new eyes. To be able to see your world the way God sees it. To be able to see your life the way God sees your life. To be able to experience things from his perspective. And he said... To preach to the prisoners that you have been set free. How many of us know that we were all prisoners at one time to the enemy? Slaves to our flesh, slaves to our emotions, slaves to all these things. But he's coming. He came to us. He said, I have come to tell you, those of you who were prisoners, which is all of us before, that now we have been set free. We're no longer slaves. We're free. I don't know about you, but i are free. You're no longer slaves. You're free. Come on. And he says, I have come to share the message of Jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. Before we were separated from God, God literally drove Adam and Eve out of the garden, separated them from himself. But Jesus came and he says, right now, today, acceptance has become. You're coming back in. That's reality in heaven. You're like sometimes we think God is somewhere far. He's like, God, please. Like, no, he says, come on. With Jesus, acceptance has begun. That's a reality in heaven. So you're not poor, you're not brokenhearted, you're you have God's eyes now, right? You're free and you're accepted. What the? It's a complete package, ooh. it's a complete package. Take it today, right? So write these down, right? Some realities for us. We are newly created spirit beings, right? We've learned that in, this, in our church, which is so amazing, Pastor. We're newly created spirit beings. We have been redeemed from sin and death, right? We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, Right? We have been redeemed from all curses and failures. Right? We have the seal and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Like, these are all truths that we need to become familiar with all of our lives, like every day, reminding ourselves. Right? We have dominion over all things in Christ Jesus, and we're heirs to all the blessings of God. Right? Now, knowing all these things, yes, most of us know them. And the truth is, most of us are able to appropriate these things many times in our lives, especially when things are going great, right? But there's something that usually tends to happen with humans, all of us. We tend to still live so connected to our natural life that we let the natural things dictate how our spiritual real reality is. Right, you know, you lose your job so you think God doesn't love you. Natural things were never supposed to dictate spiritual things. You lose your job, it does not change that God loves you. You lose your job does not mean you're still not heir to all the blessings. You lose your job does not change any of these heavenly realities that we have received in Christ Jesus. Right. There's something that the enemy goes around doing, and I want us to be aware. Like, we don't have to fear him. We don't have to, you know, make our lives all about the enemy, but we must be aware of his strategies. Because truthfully, and I was talking to Calvin earlier today, the enemy does not need anything you have, your money, your house, your car. He doesn't drive, in case you don't know. devil doesn't drive, right? He's a spirit, just the same way God is a spirit. So how come he keeps attacking all your natural things? Have you questioned that? Why? He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your car. He doesn't need your family. But what he wants to do is to destroy, right? But because we live in this natural world and we have this natural body, he has realized that if he could get you in the natural to start looking at your natural things, you will soon forget your spiritual reality and you open the door for him to come in and take everything, including your soul. So we must be aware of the things that he's doing so that he doesn't eat your lunch. That's Pastor's phrase, I stole it. Yeah. Right? Let's read First Peter five eight to nine. It says, "Be well balanced and always alert, because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly, look like a roaring lion, looking for its prey to devour." Verse nine take a decisive stand against him and resist him in every attack with strong vigorous faith for you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure right let's read psalm 23 verse 5 it says you prepare a feast for me In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Let's take a look at these two scriptures. We are to stay alert, right? Because the enemy is moving around. But we are to resist him, right? And David said in Psalms 23, he says, you prepare a feast for me. In the presence of my enemies. In other words, God never did all the things he has done for us while we're still here on this earth. He did in such a way that you're supposed to be experiencing them right in front. Devil is not going to go away, but that doesn't change the fact that you have all the blessings of God. Right? Right? He he said his intent was to make manifest the wisdom of God to to principalities and powers. In other words, David is already telling us way before Jesus Christ even came that there will be a time where we can be experiencing all the things that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. In the presence of the devil and he will be wondering how is it that you can live in this world where he believes that he is the God of this world but you tell him no. No, you might be the God of this world, but you don't own anything in this life. You eat your food while, and when I mean food, all the blessings, you take all the blessings of God becoming manifested in your life while the enemy is watching, and he can do nothing. Come on now. He can do nothing. He can touch nothing. He can touch nothing. I think Pastor was sharing with us one testimony of, I think it was John Osteen, right? Where he, the, the demons, they were going about, and one novice demon, because, you know, they have tried to go into John Osteen's house, and then a much more mature demon came to the regular demon and said, no, nah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go inside there. If you go inside there, they will beat you and the rest of us. So let's just go. Leave him, leave that house, go to the next one. That's what our life should be. That, that the devil will say, Jesus I know, Paul I know, Anu I know. Come on. Not, not Paul I know, Jesus I know, you, who are you? It's Jesus I know, Paul I know, don't even mess with Anu because he will beat you. Will, oh my God. He will beat you, you'll be so surprised. That's what our life is. That's the reality we're supposed to have right? The enemy has strategies that he used to attack every believer. And the truth is, that's why I said you must be aware. You must know what he's doing, right? Be aware of what he's trying to do. You might think, oh, you just got into somebody just, you know, you lost your job or somebody did something to you. You might think that's just natural. But if you don't look from the perspective of God, right, where you see that he's just trying to hinder you from going to do maybe what God has already told you to do, you will get stuck arguing with somebody over them, not greeting you in the morning. He always comes many ways. But if we are aware and we stay alert, we'll be able to resist him and enjoy everything that God has had for us, right? Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. It says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of my witnesses. Right? Fight the good fight of faith, right? There's people who just like fighting, right? They fight, they fight people, they're always arguing, right? And unfortunately, that includes Christians as well. You know, always arguing, always having some things, but that's not the fight we were called to fight. you are not called to fight people. You're called to fight the good fight, the good fight of faith. Because people don't perish because, you know, somebody hits your car or you lost your house in the fire, that's not why people perish. People perish for lack of knowledge, for lack of knowledge. You could lose your house in the fire, but if you have the knowledge that God is a restorer, it doesn't bother you as much, right? I think I said this at communion one day, that you don't have any problems, you just don't have enough knowledge. And then Shambak was the one that says you don't have any problems, all you need is faith in God. Because let's think about it. If there was a cure to cancer, right, and all it took to get the cure was $10 million, if you contracted cancer today, there's opportunity for you to be afraid for two things, two reasons. One, you know there's a cure, yes, but you don't have the funds, right? You don't have the $10 million. So you're still afraid. You're still panicking. But imagine I come to you and say, okay. Here's a check for $15 million. All of a sudden, cancer is no longer a trouble. Oh, like you are, you are praying, God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God And then <laughs> I give you the check. And you just say, oh, thank you, Lord. I know you always. And then you just go. Why? Is it because cancer was not as deadly as it was anymore? No. It's because now you know that you have the resources to deal with the cancer. Right? Okay, so when Jesus says that all the blessings in heaven, right, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Spiritual, because that's where it matters. Because if it's spiritual, then it will always make its way to the natural. If you have natural blessings, it might not go to the spiritual side. But if you have spiritual blessings, it will make its way into the natural, if you believe it. Right, So when things come your way, it's not because those things are greater than you or because of anything. That's not the reason why we panic. It's because we don't know that the God we have, the God we have believed, everything that we have done, the realities in heaven are higher than everything we're experiencing. That's the only reason. It's the same reason why two people can be in the same situation. And one person is glorifying God and the other person is looking for the next best thing. Right? Let's become familiar with that. Ephesians 6, 10 to 12 tells us, it says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, right, put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, right, be strong in God, God is the one with the power, right, God is the one with the power but you put on your armor, right, we all know what the armor of God is, right. Helmet of salvation, right? Sword of truth, shield of faith, all of these things. We, we realize it's nev- none of them are physical armor. All of them are spiritual things. Spiritual knowledge that we can receive. Your, your helmet is what Jesus gave you. The faith to resist the arrows is the, things, is the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. All these things pertain to things that you find out in the scripture. They're all knowledge-based your whole armor of God is all knowledge based, the knowledge that you have of God and what you believe to be true. Right? It says, put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to fight, stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, again, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against every spirit, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You might think your battle is a natural battle, but it's not right Daniel was put in the lion's den and he prayed and the angel said on the first day you prayed your prayer was answered by God and he sent an angel to disperse your answer but an evil spirit held up the angel for 21 days and God sent Michael right but in all of that Daniel was still praying right he was still praying in the lion's den and the reality of it was, I prayed to God like lions. Yes, they're dangerous. Yeah, but he believed that God was greater than lions. Right? He created them for all we care. So if he tells the lion don't do, he won't do. And he told the lions that they didn't do. You know. And we know how that story ends, right? We must fight that faith. Fight that battle of faith. Right, that's the battle we're fighting. It's not the natural things. Like Daniel could have gone in there and tried to, you know, let me get to higher ground. You know, all the things they say. If you, if a lion is coming, maybe you should play dead. You know, he didn't consult any natural thing. He went to the one place where answers could come forth, where reality, where the true reality is. He prayed, and he didn't stop because he believed in the mighty power of God. Right. So we're gonna see. There's tactics that you can use to fight this spiritual fight, right? Resist and stand your ground in the promises of God. That's the first thing I'm going to tell you, right? You have to resist the enemy and you have to stand firm, right? You have to stand firm in those promises of God. Let's read Ephesians 6, right? Let's start from verse 13 to 18. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the blessed plate of righteousness in place, right? And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, Right? And in addition to all these, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Right? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Standing your ground is what we're supposed to do right he prepares a table for you in the presence of the enemy I don't know about you but if your food is out there right how many of you have a dog anybody in here nobody has a dog okay this example might not work too well but it might have you can you put a nice rotisserie chicken on a tray and leave it outside and there's a dog roaming around what will happen to your chicken No, just go in for like two minutes. Two minutes, all you need. By the time you come back, you realize that that dog eats faster than you can ever imagine. You come back, the tray is clean, wiped, everything. When God says he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies, it would be unwise as Christians to think that he's not interested in the food on your table. And if you allow him, he's going to take it. Right, But we must stand firm, resist him and stand firm. All these things that we, that we read in that scripture. right, With the belt of truth, you know, this is what Paul was saying to the Galatians. He said, you foolish Galatians who has blinded you to the truth that what Jesus Christ accomplished for you in the spirit, you want to complete those works with the flesh. We must always be secured with the truths of heaven, the realities of what God has done for us. Our salvation is not by our works. So when the enemy tries to allow you to start looking at, "Oh yeah, you didn't pray three times today," or you must, you know, confess seven times, do this 14 times, if not, you will not receive what God has for you, or you must go to the mountain and stay there for two weeks, and that's when God will hear you, or go through this minister of God because He has the direct ear of God." no. Secure yourself with the truth. Spend time in the word of God and find out what the truth is. Sure, they are facts of life, but that doesn't make them the truth, right? The fact might be that you have cancer. That might be the fact. The doctors told you that. But the truth is that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. That's the truth, right? You must Stand firm with the belt of truth, buckled, buckled. In other words, you're ready. You put it on, right? The breastplate of righteousness must be in place. In other words, now is not the time to be questioning whether or not you're saved. Now is not the time to be questioning what God, what Jesus has done for you, the righteousness he has given to you. That must be in place, secured, right? And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, my peace I give to you. In this world, you have many trials and tribulations, but don't worry because I have overcome. That's what Jesus said. That's a truth for us. I have overcome. When you know that Christ has overcome, you can live in peace. But remember the analogy I gave of the cancer. Right? Imagine your 15 million check being in this scenario. What God has done for you. You have the issues, but you have the provision. There's no longer chaos, no panic. You're at peace. Jesus has accomplished everything. So be a student of of, of the things Jesus has accomplished so that you can live your life in peace. You're not tossed to and fro by every word right your life is on a constant trajectory you're going up you're you're dwelling the promises of god no ups and downs but a straight path towards all the things that god has done for us peaceful life right in addition to all these things take up the shield of faith right Take up the shield of faith that you're able to resist everything the enemy throws at us. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So these truths that we get, we're fighting the fight of faith, right? We put up that shield. So when the enemy brings things across your way, because he will, he will try to get you from the natural. When he brings things, it's up to us to present the word of God to deflect everything he throws at us, right? And then he says that we should take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, right? Be secured. Be secured. Mentally. You are saved right? The enemy, you you probably have heard many sermons preached on the battlefield of your mind, the mind being the place where the enemy tries to attack. But if you are secure in your salvation, if you understand that you have been saved, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, you have been given that Holy Spirit as a sign that you belong to God, your head is no longer in two places. And then you can say, okay, this does not belong in all the things that God did for me. So you take that word of God and say, yes, you're saying I'm sick, But no, I am healed. And then you take the word of God and you use it to address your situation. That is such a peaceful and wonderful life. Right? And it says pray in the spirit on all occasions. Because that's the way you talk to God. Just say, pray. On all occasions. So that many of us will not believe that is, you know, when you're on your knees and God, Jesus. No, on all occasions. Why? Because you could be praying right now. You could be praying while you're sitting at your cubicle at work. You could be praying even while you're asleep. Constant fellowship with God, right? Another fighting tactic that we have on how to resist the enemy is to take captive every thought, right? I was sharing this with my wife during one of our devotions. I said, it's, it's so much easier to overcome the enemy when where he's trying to fight you is still at the level of your thoughts, right? When he brings things into your mind, the best place to fight is to fight him at that level of the thought. Don't let it develop. Don't let it make its way into anything else. Take captive every thought right there. If we open 2 Corinthians 10 verse 45, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, right? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Why? People don't perish for anything except what again? The knowledge. They, have, they lack knowledge. But if you have knowledge, you must remember that every time something comes in, right, that tries to exalt itself or tries to pose an argument that tries to exalt itself above that knowledge that you have, cast it down. Don't give room to any thought that does not belong to the things that Christ has paid for the things that he has provided for us right there at the level of the thought right there while it's still in your head you know it's so funny yesterday i was driving back down um from we went to we went to you know celebrate with a good friend of ours and while driving down and i was having this like stomach thing for some reason it felt like my stomach was like pulling apart and out of nowhere Like this thought came into my head. He says, you know that could be stomach ulcer. And I say, what the? Like I've never known one single person in this world that has stomach ulcer. Like that ulcer, that statement, I remember where it came from. Because I was in boarding school like maybe when I was like 13. And I remember one of my seniors had an ulcer. And I was like, God, Jesus, this thing has been, wait, um, it's over 10 years now. And he bringing back this thing to my mind, so that me, I will now believe it and say, babe, maybe we should go to the doctor tomorrow. No. You know, when it came, I started smiling in the car. She didn't understand why I was smiling. But right there, I said, no, I don't have any ulcer. It doesn't belong to me. Because even if I did, if I accepted it, then I have it. But I don't. So I don't. No. And that's it. You must cast down every argument. It says arguments. Why? Because... The enemy is trying to convince you to believe what he's saying. So shut him down. Right there, shut him down. Don't let him get too far. Shut him down. Right? Bring every thought into captivity. Don't just think like, oh, I just had this thought. Oh, yeah, it's just in my mind. You know, all these things. No, 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 no. No, even in your mind, fight there. Take captive. Say, this thought does not belong to the knowledge of God that I have. So it's not my reality and shut it down. Right? That's one way you fight. I said you have to be aware. Right? If you're constantly aware of every thought and every word you speak, trust me, you won't have time for much more. You know, you'll just be shutting things down. It's so amazing. Right? Let's look at somebody who did that. Jesus did that, right? He was at the Last Supper and he was telling his disciples that he was going to suffer and to die and all these things. And, and, And you know, Peter, he says, No, you won't die, you won't do all these things. But Jesus recognized that this is not Peter. And he said, Get thee what? Behind me, who? Uh huh. Because it's not Peter. It's not your friend that's telling you that you won't amount to anything that's the problem. It's the enemy trying to bring a word so that you will believe that word. But you shut it down. Get thee behind me. Resist the enemy and he will what? Flee. He didn't say he will, maybe. He will flee. If you take captive, if you shut him down, he has no choice. He will flee from you, right? Another tactic that we have to resist the enemy is to saturate our mind with the promises of God, right? If we read Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I remember our pastor Dorothy was teaching this, and she had said one time, she listed all of these things, and she, by the time she finished, she encapsulated them, and she said, all of these things... Cannot but be in Jesus because he's the only one that achieves all of these things. All the things he has done, the things of heaven, those are the only things that achieve every one of these things. is him who is, he's the truth, right? He's the one, he, he, he knew no sin. He's just, he's a just God. Whatever things are pure, he's holy, right? Whatever things are lovely, all these things attribute to what, who Jesus is. And his position in heaven. So thinking on these things, all the things that he wants to do, right? We go into the scripture. We find out the things that he has done for us. Healing is a, is a good thing, you know? Saturate yourself with these things, right? It's not every time you, you need to be on Instagram. It's not every time you need to be on YouTube. It's not every time you need to be on your television. It's not, spend time finding out these truths of God and saturating your mind with them. Because how many know that there's a tendency to forget? You might remember today, but the enemy is working, trying to bring things, trying to bring things your way. You know you might stand firm this week. If you don't renew your mind, you might stand firm next week. If you don't renew your mind, he might stand firm the third week, but then he's going to up the ante and bring something so drastic, you're like, "Oh my God, am I really a child of God? Like God, do you not love me? He's God saying you already. Because now your helmet is gone. You know? You must constantly be renewed in your mind. Saturated with these promises. That when a thought comes up, your word of truth comes back up. To resist. Right? Another way to resist the enemy is to confess your privileges in Christ. Confess your privileges in Christ. If we read Revelation 12, verse 10 to 11, it says... And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love their lives. Not they love not their lives until the death, right? We overcame by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, Jesus has done His part, right? And by the word of our testimony, right? How did we get saved? We believe that Jesus has done for us, and we confessed it with our mouths that Jesus is Lord of my life. So you got saved by confessing. And believing in what Jesus Christ has done. All the promises that God has for you, same process. Believe it and speak it. Make it your natural speech. Make it your conversation. Make that be your testimony. Speaking the things that God, Jesus has overcome. So you fight by taking captive every thought. Saturating your mind with the promises speaking and confessing all these promises, all the privileges that you have in Christ, right? We read it in in the scriptures. The, The lady with the issue of blood, she said to herself, right? She said to herself, if I could only touch the helm of his garment, right? I will be healed. The centurion came to Jesus. He says, you don't need to come. All you need to do is speak the word. Jesus speaks the word. He believes it. He said, and my servant will be healed. He told Jesus what to do and what will happen. And Jesus said, I've never seen this much faith in all of Israel. Believing in the things he has done. And then speaking them, confessing them. And then the last thing on fighting this fight is to not give room to the enemy. Right? Don't give him room. If we open Ephesians 4 verse 27 in the Amplified, it says, and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Why are these things important? Because all of those things, right? Holding a grudge, nurturing anger, harboring resentment, cultivating bitterness, they're all things that happen from, you know, maybe somebody has done something to you in the natural. You know, somebody maybe hit your car or, you know, somebody store your bread, I don't know, <laughs> you know, if you allow the natural things to dictate your life, you're giving room to the devil. And I know many, many of us want to, like, we, we see things happening in our lives, but we have to sometimes be true to ourselves to realize that, did I, is this the enemy just trying to take advantage of me, or did I open this door for him to come in? Let's be honest with ourselves. There's things that the enemy can do to you that he brings up, you know, and yes, we have every resource to combat those things. But what of the things that we ourselves have allowed to come in because we open the door. Pastor always says this: it says, like anger builds a landing strip for the devil. Right? If you, if you constantly allow bitterness into your life, anger Right? All these things that lead to sin because sin is the way that the enemy can come in. Right? When you're angry, when you're bitter, you will start to respond in certain ways that don't reflect God. And those things will allow the enemy to find a sneaky way into your life. Right? So yes, we're standing firm against everything that he brings across our way. That's amazing. Right? We're confessing these things. We're believing him. But let's not forget. I I like to call this one, this one is like the back door. Like everything else we've been talking about is like the front door. You know, you'll see him coming. That one, you don't, don't, don't worry about it. You'll see him coming clear on those ones. But this is like the back door. It's sneaky, this one. You know? Because somebody did something to you. And you're like, it's okay, it's okay. But you're angry inside. You've just, whether you like it or not, you've just like, let's say there was a latch on the door. You just unlock the latch. Then somebody else comes in, does something. And then he just slowly, 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 because he has seen that he cannot, like he cannot affect you with sickness. Okay. All right. He cannot affect you with all these things. Like you don't have a job. He cannot affect you with those things. But he can affect you if somebody you love says negative things about you. Can't he? Oh my God. I can't believe she would do that to me. I can't believe, I thought you were my friend. I thought you were my husband. Oh, well. I thought you were my wife. Those are the back ways he can come in. And we must be aware of every strategy. So it's good that we know now that somebody might be doing something to you, but realize that it's not them. Right? It's not them. And the sooner you realize it, the sooner you're able to close that back door and say, no, not today. So in all of these things, There's realities of all that God has done for us. Spiritual realities that we must pay attention to every day. Pay attention to give time to them in the word. Meditate on them. Spend time in the word with them. Become familiar with these truths, right? And don't give room to the enemy at all in any form, any way. Don't give room to him. Stand your ground in the promises of God believe in all the things that Jesus Christ has done for us and all he has accomplished, right? I'm just going to read those things, those realities for us again so that for those who didn't write them down the first time as we close. Some of these realities are these. You are a newly created spirit being in Christ Jesus, right? We have been redeemed from sin and death. Sin or death no longer have any dominion over us. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God's own son, Jesus Christ. Right? We have been redeemed from all curses and failures. You're blessed. There's no curse in your life. You know, don't let anybody from your village come and say, you're, you, you, there's some curses, some I stretch out curses. No. You believe Jesus, you accept him. All curses are broken in the name of Jesus. Failure is not an option. You're excellent. He has created you with an excellent spirit. So when you get to class, for those who are still students amongst us, don't believe. Don't believe what that teacher is telling you that you cannot amount to anything. Jesus died for you. Made sure that you will never have to question the fact that he made you for a special purpose, excellent purpose as vessels of honor in his own kingdom. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit as a sign that we are children of God. We have the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We have dominion over all things in Christ Jesus. And lastly, we are heirs to all the blessings in Christ Jesus. I want us to know that God has a work to do here on this earth to get everyone back into his kingdom, as many as will believe him. And his way is that through the church and through our lives, the world will be able to see the manifold wisdom of God, come to see how much better life is when you accept Jesus. And so that the world themselves will be able to return back to God and for the enemy to be able to know that God has ambassadors. He has his children here on this earth and they will not allow the enemy to run the world that God created for us. I hope you've been blessed by this sermon today. I hope that you'll be able to meditate on this. And as the Holy Spirit continues to share this word in your heart, it will take root deeply in your hearts, And it will permeate into every fiber of your being. And it will bear the fruits for which this seed was sent in your life today. In Jesus' name, amen.